Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So here's what I want to talk about tonight. And uh, we've got a little bit of time left. We can do this, at least get started. With this type of a word that we receive tonight from the presence of God, from the Holy Spirit, from his heart, and with the expectancy that we have for this year, it's going to require the people of God to be all in. You cannot expect to experience the goodness of God the faithfulness of God, you cannot experience the transformation and the change that God wants to bring in your life if you're going to have one foot in and one foot out. Now, now, there is a scripture in the Old Testament that usually gets read and nobody pays attention to it. (laughs) It's like it's there. We read around it. We read over it. We, we, We scoot right by it. And we don't understand the significance, how it ties in to God's plan and how it ties in to God's people. Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, talks about, actually is is Passover and the whole idea of, of the people of God leaving Egypt and starting to head towards their promised land. And look at this one verse here. And a mixed multitude went with them also, and their flocks and their herds and a great deal of livestock. And we always pay attention to the flocks and the herds and a great deal of livestock. We have these picture, you know, you see the movies and Charlton Heston and, the, you know, they got thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep and goats and cattle and, and, they're, and they're heading towards the Red Sea and all this other stuff. And that's what gets stuck in our head. But look at the first part of that verse. And what went with them? Mixed multitude went up with them. What is that? What is this mixed multitude? In... in, in the same chapter in verse 37, it says that it gives the first census of the population of the Hebrews that left Egypt for the promised land. And we're told that about 600 men departed. We've got 600 men. Where you got 600 men, where do you have? I mean, 600,000. When you have 600,000 men, what do you have? 600,000 women. Where you have 600,000 men and 600,000 women, you got about 3 million children. <laughs> Especially back in those days with no television, no internet. You understand what I'm talking about? So, so watch this now. Among those, and, and Bible commentators vary, I mean, depending on who you read after, anywhere from two and a half million to up to, I've, I've heard of even up to six million people left Egypt. And amongst those millions... The Bible tells us there was a mixed multitude. What is this mixed multitude? This mixed multitude are individuals that may have been influenced by the Hebrews. They're the byproduct of of, of competing cultures, the Egyptian culture, the Hebrew culture, as much as they were able to hold on to their culture. These are individuals that may have had this hope ignited in them to get out from under the taskmaster, to get out from under Pharaoh, to get out of that land 
but their hearts really were not knit to God. And I, I, I can almost guarantee you in, with, with all certainty that most of the grumbling and most of the complaining and most of the strife and most of the aggravation that Moses was affected by came from this mixed multitude. What is this mixed multitude? That the people have one foot in Egypt and one foot in the promised land. Part of the heart is with God. Part of the heart is with this world. And that eventually becomes the most miserable person that you could ever be around. We have them in church today. They're in every church. They're in every family. These are the individuals that they were too Egyptian to fit in with the children of Israel, but they were too Jewish to be comfortable in Egypt. It is amazing how these individuals, this mixed multitude, affected the rest of the majority so much that none of them went into the promised land except for two. That generation that left Egypt was affected. The church of Jesus Christ today is in danger of being affected by the mixed multitude. And it's dangerous. Okay? When, when we're content, to, and, and thank God for his grace, because his grace was upon them. We're going to talk about that. This is not... Please don't make this, don't take this as a condemning message. It's a message to raise awareness. Because this mixed multitude idea and concept can creep in any of our hearts. When we start coming to church because we feel good, because it makes us feel good, we're in danger of becoming part of that mixed multitude. When, when we refuse, when, we, re, when we, we, we buck up against God, when, when the Holy Spirit's trying to draw us, when the Holy Spirit's wanting us to spend time with God and to set time aside and, and to spend time worshiping God and, and, and we don't and we're, we're just rebellious to it and we're not satisfied with it and we just can't be bothered with it and we'd rather be attracted by so many other things, we're in danger of becoming part of that mixed multitude. And it is amazing how a person, and I've seen this, I'm, I'm I've been 33 years now in this thing, 33 years walking as a believer, and I've seen how powerful the pull from an individual who is just completely sold out to being mixed multitude, not sold out to God, sold out to being, and just how many times, if I, I don't know if I have the patience the next time I hear this phrase come out of the mouth of an individual if I'm going to be able to hold back. How many times have you encountered somebody who know their life is in a shambles, they're not living right, you know, you, you, it's, it's just common knowledge, you're just not living right, and then they give you one of these. Oh, but me and God are okay. You and God are okay. What, what, what God are you talking about? No, what ends up happening is this. Just like these individuals end up getting sucked into making a golden calf, you or that person have made yourself a golden calf. You have designed and fashioned God in your image. And that image of God, you're okay with. That is a dangerous thing that can happen in our lives. 
You know, contrary to Hollywood, contrary to popular belief, the original command that Moses received was not to go and create a new nation. Every time you have one of these Exodus movies, they're always like, it becomes a civil rights movement. They're going out, and they're going to, they're going to coming out from all their persecution, coming out from all slavery, coming out so that they can form a new nation. That's not what God told them. God said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go that they may worship me. So what is this mixed multitude? And how does it apply to us? The mixed multitude were people who did not any longer want to live under the darkness of Egypt. They didn't want to live under the oppression of Egypt. They didn't want to live under the affliction of Egypt, but they weren't sold out yet to God. So they did what? They tagged along with the people of God. Are you listening? They wanted to get out from under, but they didn't want to submit themselves under. They wanted to get out from under the devil, and, and we see it. We, and, and honestly, sometimes it happens, and you don't even realize it's happened. And God's grace, I've seen many people that started out this way, but then all of a sudden the grace of God affected their hearts, and they realized, I got to serve God. I've got to be devoted to him. I remember one person uh, that I came in contact years ago said, uh, said this, and they led a crazy life. To the extent that I worshiped the devil, to the extent that I partied, to the extent that I was crazy, to the extent that I would get drunk and all this other stuff, is to the extent now that I need to worship God and serve God. No less, if not more. Check your hearts and make sure that you didn't leave Egypt just because you didn't want to serve Pharaoh, that you left Egypt because you want to worship this God who rescued you. Amen. Let me tell you something. This is what the, the focus right now is for us in New Beginnings. Starting this weekend, I'm starting this series on Real Talk, and what we're going to do is we're going to make sure, every single one of us, every person that comes to church this weekend, is going to understand from the scriptures what does it mean to be saved. Are you listening to me? Why? Because it's easy to come to church. Let's face it, we have, we have awesome music, we have awesome worship. You come here, and, and what, what is it? It's real easy to get out from under the burden of, of life. But then what happens when we leave? Are we being affected? Are we being changed? Are we being transformed? Some of these individuals, you study the history of the multitude that came out of Egypt, and you realize some of these people, some of the stunts that they pulled during those 40 years was worse than some of the stuff that they were subjected to in Egypt. What happened? Going through the Red Sea did not transform them. Going through the Red Sea just changed their geographic location. Are you hearing me tonight? When we came, this experience that we had of being born again, it's supposed to change us. It's supposed to transform us. Now I realize to some extent some of us have got things in our life that are harder to overcome than others. I understand that. But so does the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit knows what you've faced in your life. The Holy Spirit knows what you, what the bondage, the, the sin. The Holy Spirit knows the things that have affected you. The Holy Spirit knows the things you were exposed to. I don't think there's one of us in this room that wouldn't agree. Every one of us have some things in our lives we wish we never got exposed to. Yes or no? 
Almost every individual I've ever had to counsel when it comes to pornography, I'm talking about sexual addiction, stuff like this. Every single person I've ever counseled, every single person I've ever talked to always said this, I wish when I was a kid I never saw the pictures I saw. I never saw the stuff I saw. I wish I had never been exposed to those things. Now, now the Holy Spirit knows those things. The Holy Spirit knows the hurts that you've endured. The Holy Spirit knows the kind of life that you grew up with. The Holy Spirit knows these things. Now, what, if we'll, I don't know how else to put this, if we will bind our hearts to him and just make a commitment to say, Father, as, as much as you make me aware of my past, as much as you will make me aware of the darkness in the world, I will resist. Do you remember that word? Remember that word, resist? Because we don't hear much about that anymore. You and I are called to resist. You and I are called to come out of the world. Now, understand this now. We're talking about Egypt. Well, Pastor, what are you doing? Talk about Egypt, talk about the world. Yeah. Egypt represents the world in the Bible. Every time Egypt is mentioned in the Bible, it's talking about the kingdom of darkness. It is talking about the kingdom and the system of this world, an ungodly system. So when, when it talks about leaving Egypt and coming into the promised land, it's talking about getting out from under our old life, getting out from under the system of this world, getting out from under what the world considers uh, you know, special and great and can't live without, and, and leaving that and departing from that in our hearts and clinging to and binding ourselves to the kingdom of God and his nature. And so it tells us in the New Testament, in a couple different places, Put off the old man and put on Christ. Put on Christ. What does that tell us? We have a choice. Every day, you and I are going to have to decide, okay, today, am I going to walk? Am I going to live? Am I going to conduct myself as one of the mixed multitude? Or am I going to conduct myself today by the grace of God as a new creation, as one who is clinging to, who is bound to, who is connected to, who is one with my Lord Jesus. And he's been so good to us. He, I, don't know, I don't know if you've experienced it, but I have experienced, and I, I know we all have. The, the, you talk about the mercy of God. Now watch this now. Don't you think God knew every one of these individuals that were in the mixed multitude? Don't you think God knew every one of them whose hearts weren't right, who weren't really leave, leaving Egypt for the right reasons? Of course he did. Did he stop them? Did he place himself at the Red Sea and go, oh, no, no, you go back, you go back. No, you're not ready yet. No, look at the grace of God. He allowed them to come into the rest of the multitude. He allowed them to experience the, the, the spectacular miracle that he did at the Red Sea. He allowed, them to, he allowed them to drink that water. You remember as soon as they came to the Red Sea, within three days they came to a place called Mara, and they were looking for water, and they couldn't drink the water. Why? Because the water there was poisoned or bitter or polluted or something. When God performed that miracle through Moses, said to Moses, see that tree, get that tree, throw it in the waters, the waters became sweet. What does the tree represent? The cross. What happened? The mixed multitude drank it also. They profited. They benefited. Why? Because that's the grace of God. And my prayer and my goal tonight for presenting this message is this, that we would take an inventory, that we would look within ourselves here now at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of this year, at the very top of the year, that we would now say, Father, examine my heart. 
Is there any, any of that mixed multitude in me? Is there any of that thing in me that still craves Egypt? Is there anything in me that still craves the old life? You know, you ever get around people and they start talking about their old life and all of a sudden they perk up? I, I go like, oh, something's not right here. And what about when you get around people who knew you when? And they start, what do they do? They're always trying to drag you back. Oh, yeah, you might be holy now. You go to church, but I remember when, and I remember this, and I remember that. You got to watch that talk. You got to watch it. That stuff doesn't get in you. You know, because even as a believer, even as someone who's saved, even as someone who's experienced a new birth, if you don't watch in your soul, if you don't guard your heart, if you don't guard, you'll start thinking, yeah, you know what? I had a lot more fun back then than I'm having now. Life was easier back then than it is now. If you don't guard your heart, why? Because you'll start examining things according to what the world says is success. Guard your heart. Examine. Allow the Holy Spirit to shine the light on the inside of you and say, Father, am I ready for this year? Am I ready? Is my heart completely sold out to you? Are you listening? You see, because here's the whole deal about this. We're here and we're living on this planet And you and I have the ability, according to the word of God, according to the nature of God, according to the character of God, you and I have the choice whether we're we're going to experience hell on earth or whether we're going to experience heaven on earth. As believers, we should not have to wait till we step out of this body to experience heaven on earth. Why? Our faith brings heaven to earth. Are you catching this? That's why faith exists. Faith exists for you to be able to experience something that is not natural to this planet, that has been reserved for the realm of the spirit, that has been reserved for people to experience there. But by faith, God allows us to experience it here. Your faith, your faith receives salvation that doesn't belong on this planet. Salvation is of heaven. But where do you experience it? Here on earth. How? By faith. How did he make it available to you? By his grace. Are you catching this? But now watch. You may, if if we're not careful, an individual may be in the middle of the greatest time of God and not experience it. Why? Because part of the heart is in the world. Part of the heart is with God. Please be careful of that. Be aware of it. It's God's mercy when he shows us these things. Are you listening? Is this, are you connecting with this? Okay? Because God is always wanting to pour out his best on us. But you know, you and I have to position ourselves to receive that. For those of you that tonight, when you, that word was read, it didn't really mean much to you, that's fine. Maybe, maybe it doesn't right now. But to those of us that it was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wish I would have been able to deliver that word. You know, that kind of a thing. It's like, yes. So what am I doing? I'm positioning myself for that to become reality. See, when you start talking about against something that God wants to, well, I don't know if that could ever happen here. Maybe that could happen someplace else. What'd you do? You just disqualified yourself. If you don't stop talking that way, if you don't change the way you're talking, that whole experience is spectacular. will just come right by. It'll be all around you, but you'll never experience it. When we were in Bible school years ago, Brother Kenneth Hagin got up one day in one of the classes. I don't remember what, what subject it was, but he said this, and he talked about this exact thing 
this exact time. He talked about this time that would come where God would do spectacular things, spectacular things. He said, but there'll be those that'll stand by on the sidewalk like as if they're watching a parade go by. And the parade will go by. And those that are marching in the parade will experience all the glory of it, but those that are on the sidewalk, it'll just pass them by as if nothing happened. You and I do not want to be in that position to just have something pass us by. I'll guarantee you, those people that were of the mixed multitude were impressed when they saw the Red Sea part, but it didn't change the heart. They were impressed when that water was turned sweet, but it didn't change their heart. They would have been impressed when they saw the great battles that God gave them to win, but it wouldn't have changed their heart. You gotta guard our hearts. Your heart is what the devil is contending for. And he's always trying to deposit seeds of bitterness. He's always trying to deposit seeds of discontent. That's why I'm so amazed that that word was so specific to address certain areas. Because one of the greatest things that is attacking the people of God today, in this day and age, is hopelessness, dissatisfaction, and complacency. Complacency. It's just that whatever's going to be is going to be. No, that's not true. That's not true. Well, isn't God in control of everything? No, God's not in control of everything. You're mixing up God knowing about everything with God being in control about everything. Does God know everything, and does he know everything that's going on? Absolutely. Is he in control of it? No. If he was in control of it, would we see the horrors that we see? If God was in control of everything and every person, would we see a 16-year-old murder his whole family on New Year's Eve? But yet there's Christian people going, oh, you know, God's in control, God's sovereign. Yeah, is God sovereign? Absolutely. And in his sovereignty, he's chosen to give us free will. You have a choice. Are you going to live heaven on earth or are you going to live hell on earth? If you're going to live hell on earth, then just keep entertaining things of the world. Just keep entertaining. Keep, keep being drawn to the things of the world. Keep, keep thinking about the things of the world is better than the things of God. But if you want to experience heaven on earth, then, then unite your heart. David prayed that way, that God would give him an undivided heart that he would be focused upon God. And if you're going to experience all the benefits of 2018, of the, of the things that God wants to do, the move of God, when I say move of God, I'm not, I don't want you to take it as just a religious word. God moves in specific seasons. There'll be times where, where in the Bible, you'll see, where God speaks and then he doesn't speak again for 25, 30 years. God moves in a specific way, spectacular way, and then he stands back and lets, lets man do what we're going to do. It lets the church do what we're going to do with it. Don't get caught outside of what God wants to do. You never experience contentment in life until you're right in the middle of what God wants to do. And what does he want to do? What's God's heart? What is the heart of God for? What's his heart after? The lost. The lost. The lost. Start praying for the lost. Start praying for your lost loved ones. Well, you know, Pastor, I've been praying for 20 years, nothing happened yet. God promised Abraham a son, and then he didn't come for 25 years. Start praying for your lost loved ones. And, and, and the other thing, too, this is going to sound harsh, and I don't mean it this way. Stop treating lost people like they're not lost. 
Oh, you know, you know, they have their own way of seeing God. No, you just said that they don't have faith in God. Now, I'm not saying go to their house and rub it. I'm not, don't go right on the garage door. You're lost. You're going to hell. <laughs> you don't do that. But stop referring to people that do not have a relationship with God. Well, you know, they, they have their own, you know, they're, they're spiritual. So is the devil. You see, what you do when you do that is you're neutralizing the urgency in your heart to pray for them. You are convincing yourself that they're okay, they're okay, they're okay. Well, you know, they believe in God. You know, I heard them mention God's name one time. Pray for them. Jesus said you must be born again. There's no two ways about it. There are no other ways to God. There is one way. We sang about it tonight. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. He said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Stop getting sucked into the spirituality of this world. It's a counterfeit. Counterfeits are never the same as the genuine. The counterfeit will never get you where the genuine is supposed to get you. So we've got to clear some things up in these next this month or so. We're going we're gonna to get the reality of some things. And here's the reality. If you find that you've been living and you know, your spirit knows. If you're really born again, your spirit is alive unto God. Your spirit knows. If, if you find yourself uncomfortable with situations that you've been entertaining, that is the Holy Ghost warning you. That is the Holy Ghost drawing you. Listen to me. That's not a bad thing. That's the grace of God. Are you listening to me? That's the grace of God. I have certain fingertips. I don't have any feeling left in them. Because of the type of work that I did, I cut my hands and cut my fingers and cut my so many times that the nerve endings are not there anymore. So you say, well, that's great. You don't feel any pain. Yeah, but I don't know when I'm getting hurt either. That warning on the inside, that uncomfortable feeling, that, that kind of even sometimes where it's almost like nauseousness, that is the Holy Ghost saying, you got no business having a foot in this thing. You got no business thinking this way. You got no business. Not that it's a harmful thing. It's that he knows where it eventually will lead you. Aren't you glad you came out tonight? Yes. We need this kind of stuff. We need to get a diagnosis once in a while. And for the, the Holy Ghost doctor to tell us, hey, listen, you know, your heart's not good here. Your heart's not right here. Your heart's getting hard. Your heart's getting bitter. Your heart's getting, we need that. No, no, what we want was what the world does. Oh, you're good. You're good. Everybody's good. You're good. I'm good. You're okay. So we can love each other. <laughs> there are some spiritual realities that we have to acknowledge <clears throat> Listen to me. I don't know why these have stuck with me all these years. Number one, think about this. You remember, you remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and asked him about questions about eternal life and things of this nature. And Jesus said to him, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. What does the Bible say he did? The young man went away sad because he had great possessions. Did you notice that Jesus didn't chase him? You listening to me? Jesus didn't chase him. Later on, Gospel of John, around chapter 6, I think it is, Jesus says to the disciples, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And he said that this teaching was too, too strong for them. And the, the majority of his disciples left him that day. You know what Jesus did? Did he, oh, oh, 
oh, oh, wait, guys, come back. Maybe I should rephrase that. He said, he turns to the disciples and goes, you guys want to go too? Let me tell you something. Most Christians that have a really hard time with the genuine Jesus shows up. Because he's not this passive, everything's great. You realize he gave his life to bring us into this relationship with the Father. He gave his life. He paid a price that none of us could ever pay. And if you can just handle that frivolously, and if that doesn't, doesn't, if that doesn't get you to re-examine your heart, then you better re-examine your heart. We've got to stop playing games. We've got to stop get, start getting real with God. We've got to start getting real and understand. He called us out that we would worship him. Then later on, God says to Moses, go tell him now to let my people go that they may serve me. What are you doing? Are you worshiping? Because in the New Testament, the word for worship also means the word to serve. What are you doing? Are you serving? I, I mean, I'm happy you're here. But are you, are, you, are you serving anyone with your life? I'm not looking to clear out seats. But what I'm saying is, is what, what is, what is your lifestyle made up of? Ask yourself this question. Are you a worshiper? I hate to say it this way, or are you a user? The mixed multitudes used the cover of the exodus to get out from under the kingdom of darkness, but they had no intention of serving the king of glory. I had to answer that question many, many years ago. I had to ask myself that question. Did I do this just to get out from under the type of life that I had? Did I, did, I, did I come to Jesus because I was just tired of being depressed? Did I just come to Jesus because I was just tired of the anxiety attacks? Did I just come to Jesus because I was tired of all the filth and degradation? Did I just do that to get away from that? Or did I, did I come to him in recognition and gratitude for what you did to get me out of there? I had to ask myself that question. And if you've come, and, and honestly, especially people, if, if you're in recovery, you better ask yourself that question. Because it's a whole lot more than just getting out from under addiction. It's about now serving the one who purchased you, being devoted and dedicated to the one who gave his life for you. I hope this is affecting you tonight. We need to shake off some things. We need to clean it, cleanse ourselves from some things. We need to, we need to resensitize, resensitize our hearts. I don't want to talk like an old man on the front porch in a rocking chair, but some of the stuff that goes on in people's lives today, and I'm putting myself right in there, some of the stuff that we tolerate today, we would have never tolerated 10, 15 years ago. And it's just... Well, that's the way it is, you know. God's grace is there for us. God's grace is to pull us out of that garbage, to empower us never again. 
You know, my son Michael, Pastor Mike, put out a blog sometime during the past year. I forget what it was. And he said something like this, and man, it just hit me like lightning. It was like, oh my God, this kid has gotten revelation in this area. To paraphrase it, it was like, when are you going to begin to overcome the things that God has already delivered you from? There's so many people who walk around. I, I hear them. I hear them. I come up for prayer. Uh, I, I, I hear it on Facebook. I see it on Facebook. It's just that, you know, when is my deliverance going to manifest? No, no, you got that wrong, honey. You have, you and I have been delivered from all the powers of darkness. We have been. But guess what? That doesn't mean that the powers of darkness are going to stop trying to get you back. So we need to stand as overcomers. And, and to overcome, you have to have something to overcome. And so many people sit there and wait, God, when is, when, you know, God, when are you going to deliver me? When are you going to deliver me? When are you going to deliver me? That's like sitting there going, God, when are you going to save me? When are you going to save me? When are you going to save me? He already has. He has already declared illegal the works of darkness in your life. But if you keep falling for it, if you keep opening up the door, if you keep putting milk out for it so, that you, so you're feeding it and it keeps coming back, you're not overcoming. You and I have to overcome. What, what do I do, Pastor? You know, because there's certain things in my life that just come at me like a wave and I just can't. I just, no, no, see, there's where you started. You said you just can't. Instead, you should be saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I have the ability to overcome. Jesus said that I am an overcomer. Resist. Resist. There's a beauty in resistance. If anybody, if anybody, any of you here have ever given in to something that you know is not God's will for your life, you know that disgusting, trashy feeling. Yes or no? Am I the only one? You know that feeling. It's like that sickening, like, oh, man. And you feel like the whole day is ruined, and sometimes the whole week is ruined. But, but flip that around now. How about, do you remember the times when the temptation was there strong, and you said, no, no, no. That beauty, that, that I call it the beauty of holiness. That beauty, that feeling that you have, that, that sense of yes. I stood against this thing. I didn't give in to it. And the devil goes, yeah, but maybe tomorrow. But you know what? Maybe tomorrow. But you know what? For today, I'm overcoming. Amen. Jesus said, sufficient is the day, is the troubles for that day. Don't be concerned. Well, what about next week? And what about next? No, no. You're in, live in the moment. Live in the moment, and right now the moment is this. I'm going to resist in the name of Jesus. I'm not giving in to this thing. I'm not going to be like the mixed multitude. I'm not going to drag Egypt into the kingdom because you can't do it. Did this bless you tonight? But more, more, importantly, more importantly, please, I pray that it's affected your heart. I pray that it causes you to push and to press into God, into his power, into his ability that's in you. Let's get rid of the junk. Let's get rid of the darkness. Let's get rid of the stuff that we're entertaining that has nothing to do with God. And let us completely sell out to the one who went to the cross for us. Amen?
Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.